Welcome to the Edutainer Podcast. My name is Erin Albert, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of education and entertainment. Stay tuned for another great episode coming up next. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Albert. It is nearing the end of our new normal podcast mini-series. As I promised, I would only keep it during the month of April, and April, believe it or not, is drawing to a close. Today's guest I am so excited about having back on the show. I loved, loved, loved her most recent book, and I thought uh, talking about women and how they are rising throughout the COVID-19 pandemic was a topic that is definitely in her wheelhouse. Sally Helgeson has been cited in Forbes as the world's premier expert on women's leadership. She's an internationally best-selling author, speaker, and leadership coach. Here's a good thing, a silver lining out of COVID-19, but for uh, COVID-19, she would have been actually doing training in Dubai at the time we recorded this. But of course, with the pandemic, everything has been grounded, including a lot of Sally's speaking and live leadership training programs. So we were super lucky to get her to be a part of this podcast mini-series. In it, she talks not only about her own experiences, but talks about Marshall Goldsmith, her co-author in How Women Rise, and his suggestions on how to manage through COVID-19. In addition, some of the silver linings, again, talking about how a lot of the countries that have been super successful in managing to flattening the curve uh, have been ran by women. And also, the majority of healthcare frontline professionals in this country now are women as well. So we had a really interesting conversation, not only about the pandemic and how to manage it in a dark cloud, but also some of the silver linings that may come out of this and the fact that some things might be accelerating in a positive direction, like working from home, like work-life balance, like um, women managing the families and now it being shared across both partners in a relationship. So give a listen to my interesting conversation with Sally Helgeson. Well, we're here today with Sally Helgeson. She's a co-author of the book, How Women Rise. And I loved this book, had her on the podcast a long time ago, but definitely wanted to bring her back and talk about, you know, women and leadership in the wake of the new normal and COVID-19 and kind of how we're all being disrupted right now. So with that, Sally, welcome to the show. Thanks, Erin. It's wonderful to be back here. Loved having you on last time. So uh, we're really throughout this series now, we've done about uh, almost a dozen different conversations around the new normal and COVID-19 and the pandemic. Can you share with our audience what has changed most significantly for you personally? (laughs) For me, probably every aspect of my life has changed. and I do a lot of uh, leadership programs, uh, workshops all around the world on my work. And I've done that for 30 years. And How Women Rise, which came out in 2018, has kept me very busy. I was home a total of five weeks last year. That's 2019. And was barreling into 2020, assuming that it was going to be pretty much the same. 
uh, had a very uh, exciting lineup of events taking me all through the spring and summer and into the fall. And uh, of course, pretty much everything is completely canceled, certainly through August, and we'll see what happens in the fall. So that has been a very big change, and it all happened almost overnight the first weekend in March. I was you know, scheduled to go to Brazil and then Dubai and Zurich and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm now home and uh, a big uh, day for me is, is uh, going for a curbside pickup at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Are you by chance doing any virtual coaching in leadership right now, or is it just completely come to a screeching halt for you? You know, it has not come to a screeching halt. Uh, there's been a lot of interest in my switching my programs to virtual events. In fact, one client that I was going to do a four-hour workshop for wanted me to do it virtually. I have to say I was a little skeptical in how that would work. I just love and thrive on the personal contact but it went extremely well, and um, I had some coaching on how to recalibrate and design for a virtual event, and now I'm getting a lot of inquiries about that, doing virtual workshops and seminars for clients old and new, uh, and then, of course, the coaching aspect. With How Women Rise, I had so many people asking if I could coach them. And, you know, women who identified with the behaviors or men who felt that it could be helpful to them in being more effective at uh, leading organizations uh, uh, filled with women. But I turned it all down because I was on the road all the time. I just didn't think I could responsibly coach anyone. So now I'm, I'm looking at those opportunities and, and uh, pursuing a couple of them. So I... Um, you know, when it first happened, I thought, well, that's it. And now I see that my work will go on. It will just be in, in different forms. And, and, and at least probably through, through 2020 won't involve um, any, if, any travel, maybe a little bit. Yeah, it's all kind of dynamic and we're all being disrupted right now and shifting from live to online and yeah. home study versions of, of the work <laughs> that we've been doing. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you're really a, a thought leader on women in leadership and how literally women can rise. And I know one of the powerful quotes from your book was that the most powerful thing you can do for your career is to change what's in your control. Yeah. So a lot of it feels like right now with the pandemic, things are out of control. So how do you think this pandemic has affected women, women with children, and has it in any way changed literally the concept of how women rise? Wow, that's a fascinating question. I don't think we know the full answer to that. Um, but I have noticed a couple things um, that I think are going to be significant. Number one, um, which is, and this particularly relates to women with children who, who have a whole a set of challenges that is really extraordinary, as, as, as do men with children now, too, because uh, it's just too much for, for one adult in a household to take care of 
you know, three young children and oversee their education uh, with no help in the household. So we're seeing more couples pulling together, which is positive. But when I think of the long-term impact here for, for, for women with families, I think it's going to be quite significant. In my um, observation over working with women and women leaders uh, around the world for the last 30 years, it's always been clear to me that there are three things that have, have to some extent kept women from, from reaching their full potential. There were cultural issues in organizations, you know, the unconscious bias type of thing, old boys networks, et cetera. There were the structural issues in organizations which centered primarily around the fact that most organizations, uh, especially at the leadership level, had been designed with men in mind and been designed specifically for men who had wives at home taking care of the children. The structure of the workplace had not changed much since the industrial era. And that was highly problematic for, for many women who wanted to have great careers, but also uh, had young children or, you know, children of middle age. And so one of the results of that has been that women tend to get into leadership positions and really fulfill themselves in their career at a much later stage than men have, which is fine. Uh, but I think that, that it's really what, this situation is going to do and and my belief is this will go on for a while this is not just a this spring thing is it begins to erode the barrier between work and home to an extent that we have never seen it's been eroding for a while because of technology so people can bring their work home etc but but I think that's going to just exponentially increase. Organizations have seen how, how up close, how well people can work without being on site. I was talking to a client on Friday. She said, you know, we're a very traditional old line energy company. We've been so skeptical of any kind of working from home. She said, and that's really held us back uh, in terms of recruitment with women. She said, and now even our senior executives are saying, oh, I see, this can really work. So, so, you know, it's very difficult, but one of the most challenging things now is people who have children at home and are working don't have anyone else in the home. There are no babysitters around, et cetera, no relatives to take up the slack. So, so I think this is going to be a very big change and we move and begin to adjust the structural barrier that has been a problem for many women since they started to come into the workplace in any kind of numbers in the 1970s. Excellent. Yeah, I, I read an article recently that said COVID-19 and the pandemic isn't necessarily changing things, it's just accelerating things. And to your notion of the erosion between work and home, I actually kind of view that as a positive thing too, right? Because uh, spouses, maybe the male spouse who had less of a traditional role in caregiving might be at home now with the entire family and if nothing else may have an appreciation, a little bit more empathy, if you will, for rearing children while working, especially for 
you, you know, the couples that both spouses happen to be working as well. So I think it's really interesting to watch that unfold right now. I think this is one of the areas in which there will be some long-term positive outcomes in that, in that acceleration, as you put it, yes, of that erosion between work and home, men and women, public and private, colleagues and family, all those barriers have been slowly eroding. Uh, this is going to exponentially increase the pace. Yeah, so with that, Sally, based upon your expertise, what advice do you have that has worked for you in this kind of new normal, if you will? The advice that worked for me in this new normal, and I'm taking this for my specific uh, situation as being, you know, a, a, someone who is a, a sole proprietorship, small business uh, is what I do. So it basically, you know, this is it. You're looking at my business, me. Um, what has been helpful to me, my, my co-author on How Women Rise and longtime friend Marshall Goldsmith and I were in um, San Jose on March 5th, which was kind of the last day that anything was happening. We were co-delivering a program for eBay, and it was very clear what direction things were going. For example, I was one of six people in the San Jose Marriott, which is a massive conference hotel, so it was very clear things were shutting down. And Marshall turned to me and he said, you know, during this time, use this time to build your brand, to stay connected, and to be real. And I loved that. And uh, when I got home, uh, back, I live in Hudson Valley, north of New York City. I put a sign on my office wall that says, <laughs> build your brand, stay connected, and be real. And I've been trying to do that uh, throughout. And that has helped me, I'd say, quite a bit uh, to keep that in mind. I love that. Three steps make it super easy to think about. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. Sure. What? What opportunities, we talked a little bit about, you know, the acceleration effect, but what, what are opportunities that you see that are coming in this new normal, particularly for women and women who really want to step into those leadership roles? Well, you know, Erin, in the same way that I see an acceleration here of this breakdown between workplace and home place, and see that this may have many benef benefits for women. I also see an acceleration, uh, the potential for an acceleration of how we understand, of how companies, organizations, our culture at large, um, understands excellence in leadership. I see an acceleration of trends that have been underway for the last, 20 some years um, taking place. What we've watched, you know, when I began writing about women leaders and studying them and working with them back in the early 90s, um, I talked about some of the great skills that women brought as leaders, you know, their skill in building close relationships, um, their comfort with as opposed to tolerance of diversity, comfort with direct communication instead of communication up and down a chain of command, uh, putting themselves in the center of things rather than at the top and gaining a lot of information that way, characteristics like that. And at the time, 
the pushback I got was people said, you know, those are soft skills. Those aren't leadership skills. Well, and so they weren't really considered so in the early 90s. But now um, we do consider skill at building strong relationships across levels and direct communication, et cetera, et cetera. We consider those to be uh, leadership capabilities and to define in many ways what excellence in leadership looks like in this environment. These are what companies, the best companies are looking for people who are wonderful at being part, being a part of a team as well as leading a team so they can step forward or step back. They're looking for people who have warmth and communication skills and empathy and the ability for empathic notice. The U.S. Army is teaching empathy now. So we've really changed our understanding of leadership in a way I think that has been both impacted by women's participation, but also has benefited and served women. And I think that may increase seriously going forward because the collaborative skills, the team-oriented approach, the what am I here to contribute rather than what am I here to achieve, these are the kinds of attitudes and skills that, that get us through this. And it is has not escaped my notice or that of quite a number of people that when you look at the countries that are doing best, um, in terms of supporting their populations uh, and flattening the curve with this virus, uh, the majority of them are led by women. I mean, there are a few exceptions to that, South Korea being um, a big one, but uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Germany, New Zealand, Taiwan, these are the places that are real models for the rest of the world, and they're led by women. So I think that, that those two things combined are really going to give women an, an, uh, an excess of confidence, uh, I mean an access of confidence. It's going to, they're going to become more co confident about what they have to contribute. And, and that confidence and that belief, I, I have what is needed now to make this organization, this firm, this community, this school, uh, this institution successful. That's, that's really the spur that helps women uh, lean in and find um, the way to make their best contribution. Yeah, I love that you brought up that article. I've seen a couple of times now that the strongest uh, countries, to your point, in flattening the curve happen to be ran by women. So I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I, also, I also want to give a shout out to my fellow colleagues in healthcare who are on the front lines who are yeah. now also majority women in this country as well. So um, thank you for, for highlighting uh, that group. And I think there is, um, under this you know, horrific pandemic, I think there are rays of light, to your point, where we're showing that women, in fact, are fantastic leaders. And we have evidence and links to support that now with flattening the curve and, and keeping uh, nations healthy. 
So I, yeah, I agree with that. And there, and the women are the front, you know, the majority of the frontline responders here. Whereas in, in 9-11, um, you know, I was living in New York right then. It was very active, but the first responders, you know, were firemen and policemen and it was, you know, 80, 90% men here it's women. And that has been, I think that's going to also have a big impact. Yeah. And hopefully a positive one. Mm -hmm. So Sally, what else? Well, let's talk for a minute about, you know, the uh, millions of Americans that have been unemployed due to this disaster, and particularly the women, especially if they're the breadwinners in their families. What can those women leaders do beyond the, the three points that Marshall shared with you to consider for developing their own leadership? What opportunities do you think they need to think through as they search for their next job or uh, paycheck? Well, there are a couple things I could say. First of all, you know, I think people get, you know, there's a lot of advice now, you know, identify your passion, start with what your passion is. When you do that, I mean, most of us have a number of passions. I, I have a great passion for cooking, and it has nothing to do with how I earn my living. I have a great passion for poetry. It has nothing to do with how I earn my living. I think it's always more helpful to think about, you know, what are my skills? Let me get very, very, very clear about what my skills are. This market for now is going to be unbelievably challenging for many, many people. So we need to do what we do, you know, when the economy basically tanks. We need to cut our spending to the bone. We need to rethink our choices. That's important. Um, but when we're thinking a little bit beyond 2020, the clearer we are about what skills we have and the better we can articulate them, I think this is a really a good time to reflect on what are those skills that will suit us for the next opportunities we look at. But another thing I think that's really important, I mean, this, this pandemic is so unpredictable and so all-encompassing, so ubiquitous, really. It's so with us that I think it's impossible, I think it's important to not try to pivot too fast. I get the, and we've been talking very help, help, hopefully here, uh, Aaron, and I think that's a good thing to do because there's a lot of kind of dire information out there. Um, so, it, so it's good to stay positive. However, I do notice a number of people seeming to pivot what seems to me with too much haste without really thinking through, you know, okay, I need to take the impact of this in. I need to be connected with people and, and, and maintain the networks I have and keep them in good repair. Um, but I'm not necessarily ready to completely change, you know, what I'm doing. I need to take in the impact of this very, very large event that has, um, that has suddenly impacted our lives so much. And, and I, I, I'm concerned when I see people not doing that. I'm part of a, a, a core network of colleagues and we have a morning call every single morning at, 
at eight o'clock. And I noticed that within three days, some of the people were like, I'm pivoting my business model. And they were sending out like MailChimp letters to everybody on the planet, including all their, all their uh, clients from the past. You know, I, you know, get a hologram of me doing my thing, whatever. And it just, it felt too hasty. It felt too ill-considered. Um, I think we have a desire maybe to kind of not think through what the consequences are, but the more we use this as a time, not just for, um, for, for responding constructively, but reflecting on, on how we can be of service to the world, um, the, the better it will be rather than, than just feeling a little desperate. I, I don't think desperation serves people well. The last time everything kind of fell apart in, in the fall of 2008, my business was impacted terribly. And I got very panicky and desperate, I have to say. And it didn't help me. And I learned from that. And this time, I'm really working on staying personally balanced, being present, um, being real and part of being real is 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 recognizing that there's a lot of pain here uh, and and then you know maintaining those those broad connections that have that have served me and given my life so much meaning well thank you for sharing that and uh, yeah I think pain uh, in pain lives change right and it, it is kind of a painful time for so many millions of Americans especially those that have lost their employment at this point so thank you uh, for your your ideas on that last but not least we'll, mm -hmm. we'll go back to Marshall's big three on building your brand and staying connected so Sally how can people connect to you they can connect with me uh, my website is sallyhelgeson.com uh, it has a button. You can email me there. And uh, I'm active on LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn because it's very positive. People don't say bad things about each other. It's all, oh, you're wonderful. I love you. Uh, I kind of like that about it. So um, I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, so just send me an invitation and, uh, uh, and we'll be in touch. Uh, very easy to do. Perfect. Well, for one, here's another silver lining. You would have been in Dubai when we were taping this podcast. So I'm grateful <laughs> to COVID-19 for keeping you here in the U.S. so we could have this follow-up conversation. With that, Sally Helgeson, thank you so much for sharing your insights at this difficult time for all of us. Great pleasure, Erin. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Edutainer. I'm Erin Albert. You can follow us over at Facebook. We have a separate page now for The Edutainer. At Twitter, you can follow me at Erin L. Albert. Of course, I'm on Instagram at Erin Albert. And of course, online at LinkedIn and ErinAlbert.com. Thank you so much. I hope wherever you are, you are staying safe, staying well. And until next time, take care.